As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you, Why mad? you mad? Oh my god. Okay. Here we go. Whip <laughs> it. We're back. I'm drunk. Chicks on whippets. We're doing it. We're, and also, we're releasing this one. Yeah, public. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do them both public. Fuck it. Public. All right. Yeah. We're doing the mailbag. This is what we do for the Patreons normally. Uh, if you enjoy it, sign up to our Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Why You Mad? I don't know. You right. We're doing a fundraising drive here. If you would. <laughs> The point of us releasing this Q&A mailbag episode of Why You Mad? I should take a whip. While we're on drugs. Yeah. Every time I say Why You Mad, I should do a whip it and go, Why mm-hmm. You Mad? Authentically. But uh, the purpose being to give you a behind the scenes peek of what happens on our Patreon. Because our, our Patreon episodes are pretty much specifically this at this point, right? And uh, it started off kind of as like a way to give back to our audience. But actually, I think it's like kind of we have one of those Q&A advice shows. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah, dude, not just advice, but like also uh, we get feedback back. So it's almost like we are not just talking into an empty abyss. We're hearing back from people and getting sometimes, you know, uh, constructive negative feedback, sometimes positive encouraging feedback. But it's great to hear from people who are listening to the show and have additional points to make to the stuff we've talked about. Um, but we could also do Patreon episodes about other things, I guess. It's just that we get good emails. I don't know. Uh, let's jump right into them, should we? Mm. Oh, my God. Let's jump into this West Elm Caleb. So, Beth, this person. Four. Yeah. Beth. I'm going to assume Beth is a she. They didn't specify their pronouns by beth wrote to us about west elm caleb because they listened to the show before we deleted the original show okay right? interesting. yeah so they listened to the whole thing so beth wrote i uh, really enjoyed your discussion about west elm caleb especially when you talked about the danger in devaluing words and phrases to describe abuse it is really dangerous and irresponsible i wanted to add that sometimes stuff just sucks like normalize things being sucky Complain a little to your friends and move on. (laughs) Liking someone who doesn't like you back actually sucks, but it happens and it's fine. Sorry, this isn't some revelatory take. (laughs) Love the pod. Hope you're both doing all right, Beth. Uh, I feel like that's the whole thing that I was trying to say, Beth, is I'm not saying getting dick pics is okay. I'm not saying like a shitty dude that stops paying attention to you after you thought something was going to happen and is fine. It's just that's normal. Sometimes people that you're into are not into you and it sucks and it hurts your feelings, but it does not mean that that is abuse. Yeah. I feel like, um, kind of similar about this as I do about like racism and stuff where like, there's two paths here. There's two choices you can have. One is to be hyper vigilant about what gets like sort of categorized as like abuse or racism, which are things that are really highly stigmatized. Yeah. Second thing is to possibly 
continue to let things be categorized as racism and abuse and then understand it's not the end of the world when someone says something kind of happens to you yeah because people are inherently like they're not even essentialist about this not like oh people are built racist or they're like indoctrinated i mean the world we exist in is socially chaotic so sometimes on the people's paths to becoming a fucking person that they want to be they say things they regret or they do things that they're you know a little bit um you know hurtful and the only way to like actually rehabilitate people is to not put a scarlet letter on them and go we fucking hate you and putting you against the gulag it's to like go hey you did this, this is this, but it's okay. And it's like the same thing applies to like with guys and like the abuse stuff. Cause if you treat guys like, you know, like any shitty thing you do is abuse. Right. That this is how you end up with these guys that then go, this is too much. Well, I can't do anything. I can't talk to women. I can't be in a room with women. (laughs) And then like the conclusion that a lot of these guys come to is like, well, this entire way of thinking is so stringent that I'm going to subscribe to another way of thinking that just completely doesn't address this stuff yeah. because everyone is out of here has lost their fucking mind. I mean, like you should if you have a friend who you think does something that crosses one of these boundaries in the whole point of like society it's for you to go, this is my friend. So I'm going to talk to them about it rather than like make a spectacle out of them or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of, of the, I'm like, to, to some part of my mind is like, fucking sure. Call this abuse, but then take a look at the fact that this is very common and it's not that hurtful. And yeah. to, you know, maybe from there you we can, can move learn, past it. Yeah. And we can all learn that like, this is a thing that we all do and we, you know, we shouldn't actually stigmatize each other for and, and then help each other and stop doing well, it. And men should realize this is hurtful and things that we shouldn't do to each other. But like, it's still not abuse. Like sometimes we are hurtful towards each other and it's not abusive or predatory. It's just ignorant or careless or inconsiderate, which are still bad things. I'm not saying that a person who is inconsiderate towards you should just be forgiven, but inconsideration is not the same thing as abuse. And it's important for us to to be able to tell the difference, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just getting at like, I mean, I agree with you, but that's, that's using a specific set of definitions for these words. If you want to go with different definitions, that's fine too. But we're just having the same argument with different language. Like, one thing I think about when I think about this is like the Karen thing where like you take mm-hmm. a cell phone out at the supermarket and you like make fun of some white lady who's like yelling and she's scared and doesn't now she's like, oh, I'm going to be a viral the next day or whatever. And like, yeah, it <laughs> happens all the time. And it's like, what is the purpose of trying to separate everyone from this woman by saying she's racist because it implies that most of us are not like we're not like her and would not do this and that is not fucking true most of you just haven't been caught yet or caught in the wrong day in the wrong situation and like the 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 lesson should be like there but there for the grace of god go i you know (laughs) see somebody like at their worst like this right is that more humanistic yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's weird because, like, the way the society functions is, like, 
taboos are created about like stuff you can't say or like you know like uh even the mass stuff like right-wing people are right there is a taboo that became prevalent in society where if you are a person who's like screaming about not wanting to wear a mask in a place of business for example you do get ostracized and you get singled out and the video goes out and you're like a shitty person that's putting everybody in in danger and these people want to think of it as like i'm being oppressed and victimized by being put on the spot as like i'm freaking out about no masks but they are not considering the way that they are actually hurting other people so i don't know i don't know what my point is but i guess i just want to say we all are trying our best I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. We are. But yeah, I don't know. Let's go to the next email. All right. This is too much weed and whippets and whiskey. Um, <laughs> but this is literally how the Patreon episodes go. It's like we've already done the serious episode and now we're drunk and we're doing the best we can with the emails. Okay. Next email. Part <laughs> very insightful takes, in my opinion. <laughs> we have great takes, even when we're drunk. Okay. Check this out. We got an email from Georgia. So Georgia, for the people who are not on the Patreon and hadn't heard the previous episodes, Georgia was a person who wrote to us. Uh, Jake, you remember. So you have mentioned. Wait, hold on. She wrote her name. Laura Jane Grace's book. There you <laughs> go. You nailed it. I nailed it because I looked at Georgia's email. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Jake has brought up Laura Jane Grace's book several times in the last few episodes because it's a book he's reading that he enjoys that is about a director uh, that transitioned. He's uh, sorry. Musician. They, they, oh, I'm sorry. A musician. <laughs> they are a musician uh, who transitioned male to female. And they wrote he she wrote. Sorry. She wrote a biography, I guess. Right. That spoke both about the time when she identified as a man and then later her transition and her life currently. And so when Jake was like originally first telling me about this, a person I don't know anything about, uh, clearly, because I barely remember her name. um, Jake was talking to me about it, about, I want to say him, because you were talking about his early work in a way where like he also referred or she referred to himself as a him in the book. What the reason I phrase it the way I did is that like in Laura Jane Grace's book, it is a biography of the person who was born Tom Gable and then like transitioned and became Laura Jane Grace. But she is not particularly like she's not trying to erase her past she refers to herself in the parts of her life when she was living as a man yeah as like in male pronouns and stuff and with a good sense of humor about stuff and like you know looks at this thing very um you know very diligently and stuff but i didn't think that it would be dead naming to echo their own self-reference yeah no and i think basically what happened was you were just telling me about a particular thing about 
her experience when she identified as a man. So you referred to her as a man. Also, I think I set this up by saying this. Like, I could be wrong. Yeah. This is just what I'm going on. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it was totally fine. It was not malicious in any way. Laura Jane Grace then, has, refers yeah. to an album she wrote when she was Tom Gable by the yeah. name. The album is called Heartburns. It's really fucking good. I'm a huge yeah. fan of this musician. Yeah. And refers to it by at by the self-titled you know name that's yeah. on it. So I that's just yeah. what I'm going off of, and and I as far as I yeah, know, yeah, totally, they don't care. And I also think you know I think it's clear into Georgia to all of us. It's clear that you didn't mean anything negative by the way that you were speaking about Laura Jane's previous work and current work and whatever, but. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know what happened in one of the previous mailbags was that Georgia wrote to us and she was like upset. No, she wasn't upset. I don't even want to ascribe feelings to her. She just wrote to us being like, Hey, it sucks that Jake dead named this person. And it also sucks that Louisa didn't call him out and defend a trans woman in the same way that she has defended women in the past. I call this a critique, maybe? It's a critique. Yeah, it's feedback. It's feedback. It's fine. And so we responded. And I will say that I think, you know, Jake responded wonderfully where he recognized where he might have misstepped and uh, was open to feedback. But I was absolutely not <laughs> because I was like, I didn't even know who this person was. For you to expect me to have enough knowledge to call Jake out on the dead naming was an irrational expectation, you know, because I'm listening to this person tell me about somebody I don't know anything about. I don't know whatever their preferred pronouns are, you know, like you're just ex assuming that I would know all this stuff. So I said this in the past to Georgia's email. I was just like, I like, I felt like it was a, a, an unnecessary critique where she was, um, uh, I guess kind of like trying to bring you to task, even though you are clearly an ally because you didn't mean anything negative by it. And she was also trying to bring me to task, even though I didn't know anything sufficiently about this person to feel like I should be defending what name you should be calling them or what pronouns you should be using. Uh, and now Georgia wrote an email after we responded, right? And she says, hi, Luis and Jake. Uh, well, so the email is called, it had to do with me. It had more to do with me than it had with you. And so she says, hi, Luis and Jake. Felt inspired to finally write back after your last episode where y'all discussed queerness and Laura Jane Grace's new book. Y'all are right. My last email was kind of bullshit. Earlier on in the day when I listened to that episode, I'd been misgendered by my boss in a meeting. After that disempowering experience, I just wanted to wag my finger at some people who I thought would listen. And Jake did, which was nice of him, which I think is fair and beautiful that she pointed out that you listened and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's how feedback works. I totally understand. Uh, I've also been using I Know Who I Am as a mantra lately. And I got to say, it's helping me grow some thicker skin. I love that. I think that's a really great mantra for everybody to have. I know who I am. Uh, I wanted to say I totally agree that queerness is so much more than who you fuck. I really relate to the feelings of alienation that Jake has talked about. I started identifying as queer before I realized I was a woman and transitioned because I felt weird. I knew I didn't feel like a normal straight guy. 
but inclusive queerness gave me room to explore myself. I was lucky to find myself in a group of gay and trans friends who encouraged that exploration instead of gatekeeping me out of their spaces. Everyone deserves that. Love the pod. Keep it up, y'all. Love, Georgia. P.S. Jake, if you do get that crust punk back band back together, if you do get that crust punk band together and you want to come out to Olympia this summer, you'd be the perfect pair for the queer punk Shrek play <laughs> my friends and I are putting on. <laughs> sounds like some Olympia. You should open for the queer punk Shrek play, honestly. So <laughs> northwesty, like it's I'm perfect. So into it. I love it. And Georgia, we love you. Oh, I don't want you to think I hate you. I love you. I'm just always a fucking contrarian friend. You gotta understand. No, I don't think anyone here thinks anyone else doesn't like them, but like I noticed yeah. when we got that email and then you yeah. talked about it, I was like, okay, the person it maybe has been set off a little bit and also i was like i think louisa got a little bit i know that you're very rational and you were like i'm not mad while you're reading this but i think maybe that it, you think i was mad no well i don't think that you were mad but i think that it, it like you took it more personally than the email was intended because we kept going in these circles where we're like but we're not this is fine this is all discourse right yeah. but then we're all going why do we have to keep reminding ourselves that this is fine and this is discourse if it is yeah. just fine in discourse it's because i think it could be per, like taken as a criticism of you on like a deep level yeah. about like your relationship with uh you know me as a guy and all this weird stuff and like it's uh so for, i am obsessed with this neuropsych shit now and i'm like you know seeing the trigger thing underneath everything which i know is like such a fucking hot button issue that people don't believe exists or whatever but yeah. like i kind of have this thing going on right now where i think that um people that don't believe in the concept of trauma, which is like a really popular leftist thing right now for people that are like too addicted yeah. to Twitter and stuff that are online and, um, you know, are critiquing like AOC and stuff like that for using yeah. the stuff we talked about in the West Elf Kale episode. Liberals are annoying, right? But then there's some yeah. people that take it to the degree where they're like, well, nothing that they say is real. Nothing that they say exists. Trauma is a big thing that liberals talk about a lot. And some people go, well, th then therefore, because it's not material, it doesn't exist. But like, because I have a background in like studying oh, this sort of thing. Yeah, they can wrap themselves in it. Yeah. yeah. And I like I personally, I, my new take on it is like, I think that when people don't agree, if people don't think it's real. It's the same as when you like don't believe in germ theory because you can't see it. Because like to me, it's it's very clear. And uh, what I think what our listener here is saying georgia is she is self-aware that something set her off and triggered yeah. a thing that is probably indelible to her central nervous system for very normal reasons if you're someone living that life and then was self-aware enough to see you know that they maybe overreacted or something yeah, yeah like accused you of something that you yeah. weren't doing but then that accusation did the same thing to you and then i'm over i'm over here and it's probably pissing no me off i too. see it but i i feel like i also admitted it no i think well, we all admitted uh, it which makes it all no fun. we all admitted it and i also don't have um 
I'm not as hurt by it, but as it might seem, because I, I am standing in the space of like, I will acknowledge the, the stance I'm trying to take, which is that I, I honestly don't feel like a cisgender person. I have considered my gender since a very young age and had to very purposefully decide what my gender was from a very young age. And so I'm not intimidated by other people who have also been struggling with the same idea. And I am okay with pushing back when I disagree with you. And I disagreed with Georgia when she was trying to say that either one of us had a negative intention in what we were saying. And so we weren't wrong, Jake. And so my response to her was not a knee jerk reaction. It was a completely logical reaction to the fact that you are assuming a lot. Let me push back on you for a minute. Okay. You are really smart. And when you make an argument about something like this, you're right about it. But when you make it four times in a row, I go, why are you still stuck on this? Because you're not like consolidating it into we're done. Well, what's the argument that I made four times in a row? Well, we've, I mean, like it happened with the Hassan house thing. And like, then it happened. Yeah, with no. So tell like, me, what is exactly the argument that I've made four times in a row? I just think that, that you, I think that when, um, when our listener, uh, sorry, what's her name? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. When she accused you of <sighs> accused, that's not even the fucking word, right? But like No, she just said that like I should have defend I should have stood up for Laura Grace when you didn't Laura Jane Grace. Named her. It's a Laura Jane, no? You said Laura Grace. We're drunk. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. For this you're, lady. You're not uh, like you've done nothing wrong, but yeah. I think that like the the underlying assumption that isn't even being said, but if you wanted to, you could entertain there is that you were like somehow like a bad feminist or a bad ally or something for not doing that, which isn't being said and also isn't true. No, it is being said. That is exactly what Georgia is saying. Are you kidding me? If we can go back to her original email, that is exactly what she said, Jake. Well, then it's perfectly normal for you to take that kind of personally. Her little words were, it was offensive that Louisa didn't correct Jake when she has stood up for women in so many other cases and didn't defend this woman. Well, then I think it's totally So literally what she was implying was that I am a turf who only sees like feminist situations where I have to defend a woman, a woman in a situation where she's like biologically a woman or whatever the fuck. And I didn't do it in this case where a trans woman was being den named. And what I was trying to say to Georgia the whole time was I would absolutely defend a woman being dead named if I knew that that was the situation, but I have never heard of this person before Jake mentioned them to me. (laughs) So how would I know what their preferred identity or names or whatever is? So my entire point to every response that I had to Georgia is that you are not responding to me from a logical place. You are responding from a knee jerk reaction of expecting that people are like, not recognizing people's humanity when you don't understand the difference between not recognizing your humanity and not knowing who you are. And I am completely new who this person to who this person is. And therefore I cannot stand up and defend what their fucking pronouns should be. 
That is different. And that is absolutely a fair thing for me to defend that has, it's not, it's not like shitty and defensive or anti-trans or anything. So I don't see what is the thing that was negative that I did in my response to. I don't think you did anything Uh, negative. And honestly, I don't think Georgia did either because she called back in, called back and we're not a radio show, emailed back in. Called us again. I didn't actually mean that. And yeah, but the thing no, that she, she gets said, it. We're all good. Yeah. But the thing that she said that wasn't true, if she had stuck by that, it would have been a reasonable reaction for you to go. This is kind of a bullshit attack on me. And so I think your response to it was a reasonable reaction to that. But now we're just working back through this thing where we're like this thing that kind of wasn't true because of what triggered one person then caused an attack on someone that wasn't unfair. And this is just how like all of interaction works right now, but it's like so hard to suss out, you know, but it's so dumb because we just are like, no, we're all fine. We hope everybody else <laughs> who listen to these interactions are also fine because all the people actually involved in the interaction are fine. <laughs> so we hope that this didn't hurt any of the people who heard the interaction. <laughs> I know because what if, what if there's like a, another, it's like a cascade yeah. of events, yes. like another thing happening. It could hurt other people. Yes. That's the problem. <laughs> Let's move on to the next email. Oh my God. Georgia. Thank you for calling back in. Yeah. We love you, Georgia. We love you. We think you're great. We're, we're into it. Uh, let's go to this Cora. Cora wrote us an email called I love queer people. Uh, hi, Luisa and Jake. The latest episode is really good. Trademark. Ooh, she trademarked it. I appreciated the progression of the conversation and how y'all dialed it in. I'm really not coming here to add anything all that exciting, except to say that anyone who doesn't have this opinion is wrong. <laughs> the whole idea of gatekeeping a concept is literally in direct opposition to upholding hierarchical standards. Bad. She put like question marks. Bad. The perfect queer, in quotations, does not exist, shouldn't have to exist, and normalizing a broader understanding of what is queer and or anti-trad is one way we grow the fuck up as a society. I also started getting hyped up when Louisa was discussing the LGBTQIA folks who laid the groundwork for this to even be a conversation, because in the queer community, paying our respects to and highlighting the work of those who came before us is integral. I'm big into drag race, and this combo has been in that world lately because of the latest season of the U.S. drag race uh, There is where there is a straight queen. Ooh, I retweeted a tweet about this because I had read this email. Maddie Morphos- Morphosis. Morph- you get it. So it's like a play on metamorphosis, but it's like Maddie Morphosis. Okay. So this is a straight queen on drag race. Okay. And that has some people fucking losing their minds, which is so goddamn annoying. A queen named Got Mick, the first trans man to ever compete on the show, which also caused an uproar, said regarding Maddie, as long as she's very respectful of the culture and knows where drag came from and why she's doing it and did her homework, there shouldn't be any issues. And like, obviously, Maddie has done her homework. She's at the Olympics of drag. But I'm sh- but I sure bet she fucked up in the past because we all have. So I bring this up because it seems to exemplify the difference between being queer and being LGBTQIA that y'all were discussing on the show and the types of convos that come up around it. Maddie identifies as straight. 
but as a straight cis man who is a crossdresser, there's obviously something very queer about him. <laughs> I think it's fucking cool that she's on the show being seen by millions of people because hopefully this will open up more dialogues about the broad aspects of queerness regarding tradness and not regarding sexuality. Anyway, I think this was a sick and hopeful combo. Thanks for being real ones. I love the pod, Cora, Baven. Yeah. What do you think about this Maddie shit? I think it's so cool. Like, yeah, I do too. Since I read this email from Cora, I've been like, holy shit, <laughs> this is awesome that this is happening with this Maddie person. Man, I have so much to say about this because, Tell me. Yeah. like, I'm kind of like this fucking guy. Like, I know straight guys that are like crossdressers and stuff like that. Yeah. I kind of feel like at my most indulgent. I'm when I think about this sort of stuff, I'm like, in a weird way, people that are in this liminal space are more oppressed than everyone else. Because yeah. if you were just full on like gay or could something, belong to a category, yeah. Right. And there would be yeah. parades for you and stuff, and you could be welcome into this fucking thing. But when you're in the gray area, it's way more difficult. And, yeah. and the other thing about being in like this liminal gray area is that you, so you can't be queer right you can't be accepted by queer people you also are by definition suffering because you're not accepted by normal people because that is the type of thing that people are uh you know mean to you about which was a problem to begin with with queer people before there was like a queer liberation fucking backlash you know to subculture counterculture thing so like um I've been thinking about this a lot because, um, well, okay. Right off the bat, I guess my question is, is this the first time that like the drag world has encountered this, this thing? Because to me that that's curious. I would assume that there's gotta be a lot of guys like this. Well, I don't think that in that, like a, a guy that identifies a straight being a drag queen, this is the first time. But as Cora put it, they're totally right. Uh, drag race is the Olympics of drag queen. Shit. And this is the same argument that happens in the yeah. Olympics of like, yeah. oh, are you just are you just doing this so that you can compete and then win? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so but that's what's interesting is that Maddie is then being this person who is like, yeah, this to me is the Olympics and I'm competing in it because I'm good at this and I enjoy it as a part of my personality. And that makes it like a very interesting gray area example for me because it is a situation in which you cannot deny that this person is queer, even though their queerness is not related to their sexuality. Right. and they fit in and they perform as part of a queer world. They also have uh, respect and knowledge and understanding about the history of the queer world that they're stepping into without trying to co-opt it through their sexuality. You get me? To me, it seems like everyone's anyone involved in this who has getting their hackles up and getting kind of negative about this is yeah. entertaining some uh, 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 an outcome here, or an explanation that I think isn't real. And I think most of the time, hatred is driven by 
entertaining these like worst possible scenarios that for whatever yeah. reason like attack innate things in us so that the worst possible interpretation of this is that this person is knowingly doing this as a way of getting one over on literally anyone which to me seems kind of absurd but weirder things have happened right but like yeah. something I've been thinking about with regards to this stuff is like, okay, so that needs to be isolated. The even from the in group's point of view, the distrust of someone who is coming to you with like a recently allowable experience that is queer is coming from a place of fear and distrust and like wanting to um kind of hurt and punish the outsider because there's still this innate capacity in people for wanting to uh to justifiably attack somebody if it, yeah. if it seems like an existential threat and this could seem like an existential threat if the person was legitimately not like a crossdresser if they were just some straight guy that was like here's here's the worst case scenario this is a frat guy who's doing a long-term like Borat style joke where he's actually making fun of these people. Right. And like, yeah. the reason I think I'm thinking about this a lot is like, there's this thing in Foucault where he talks about the um, hanging, like a public hanging or whatever. Yeah. The spectacle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's the like public spectacle. There's yeah. this thing where if you live in a town, you know, and they hang somebody in the public square, like you bring your kids to go watch it, which yeah. sounds absurd. But the reason you're able to go bring your kids to go watch it, it would be horrifying if a person was being murdered in the middle of town. But because the social State sponsored, <laughs> yeah, like all yeah. Of the social psychology that goes into like, then it's actually good, good behavioral therapy. Yeah. And it's like you literally can yeah. I mean, your This is why I'm, I'm a soft science guy, because your body re would in the situation where you thought somebody was being unjustly murdered would like react by emitting like adrenaline and like all this horrible stuff yeah. and same situation. If you're viewing it and you see it as justifiable murder and like, Oh, we're executing a guy who like broke into somebody's house and killed all their family or whatever. You're like, yeah, like it's joy and you see it, right? But they get serotonin and those of us who are scared by it get adrenaline. Hmm. I think that the people who enjoy the hangings that yeah. they watch, for example, they get a serotonin increase. Sure. Whereas the people who are horrified by what they're watching, they get an adrenaline. Well, that's increase, what I'm saying. Where it's but, like a fight or flight response. But I was saying you can actively like shift between which one yeah. of those you want to experience and which drug yeah. you want your central nervous system to, to excrete into itself by like understanding the situation a certain way which is why i think people choose to react to certain things in a certain way and like part of the reason yeah. that i feel that way is because so like i kind of have this joke going around in my head right now where i'm like i don't because of all the stuff i talked about in that last week's episode i don't know if i identify as queer but i also don't know if i identify as normal so like i'm just yeah. going to <laughs> <normal>. weird <laughs> Like, yeah, I I don't mm -hmm. know what to do with it, but the like synonym for queer. What's the other one? Not synonym, but like similar. I don't know. But like, yeah, to me, like I, I have 
I, okay. So I have a friend who we were at a, a comedy show years ago, like 2015, the knitting factory, Jimmy Carr was on stage. Mm-hmm, I was and, <laughs> were you there for this? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Jimmy Carr is on stage. My friend is with me. Who's this fucking dude. Who's a mm-hmm. good buddy of mine, but he's some guy. And a trans woman was in the audience and heckled Jimmy Carr. And so there was a heckler interaction where Jimmy Carr was like, you know, oh, well, he's whatever the fuck, you know how he talks. <laughs> and he, he did a heckler bust on this trans woman. But the thing is, she reacted because he told a joke that I think fucking sucked. And, you know, she's some chick in Brooklyn and you're in the NIG factory. You got to be prepared for this. She was like, hey, fuck you over that. So then it gets into a back and forth. And it was interesting because this is in fairly recent history, but like back then it was trans. I don't think Caitlyn Jenner had happened yet or whatever. Like it was still like a lot different. So my friend I turned to because we were at a comedy show and he was like, I want to watch comedy show. He took the side of the comic and he was like, what the fuck? He said to me, this is a woman. He said, this is a man in a dress. Like get over it. He kept saying the word, get over it, get over it oh your life's hard because you want to wear a dress or whatever all this archaic bullshit right well nowadays this dude is still a friend of mine i'm not naming him because i don't think this paints him in a good light i'd like him <laughs> but nowadays <laughs> but i like him <laughs> he's nowadays yeah. he's like very performatively like oh, our trans friends and all this stuff and like oh, no. fuck you if i mean you're that's better kid. i guess than being against them <laughs> it is good right yeah 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 but here's my question why did he change to being protective of trans people? Is it because he understands or is it because society pushes him? So he doesn't so, want to fight. Okay. Okay. But you're thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I'm getting at about the spectacle. The fucking thing that allows you to shift from one side of the line to the other to taking great joy in someone's pain to or that between that and going, I need to defend this person is like a thing we've been constructing and it's been moving. And I'm looking at this and going, I'm away on the fringes of this thing. So I'm watching this circle that like separates, you know, queer people from non-queer people slowly expand. And when I see somebody like an issue like this, like this guy who's a straight person, that's a cross dresser. I'm just like, well, in 10 years, everyone's going to understand this because mathematically, transitively, 10 years ago, no one understood regular trans people. So, like, everyone arguing about this is just dumb. But, like, also, why? Like, it's frustrating because I'm looking at people who I think just they're actually hateful. Like, you want to hate as many people as possible but you allow the social parameter to like police who you're allowed to hate. And I go like, I don't even trust people when they're like, Oh, I'm a big ally. Cause I'm like, you would curb stomp somebody if it was socially acceptable. The only thing you're performing is that you are socially acceptable when you're, when you put the little sign in front of your house, that's like in this house, we respect all races and all genders and creeds or whatever. Fuck you. You're, you didn't come to that conclusion on your own. I don't know. Okay. Now, sorry, go ahead. No, I forgot what I was going to say. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that it was like a side note and you should have let me interject because I'm it would sorry. not have derailed your point at all. But now I forgot it. It's I'm fine. sorry. I was. Really We're moving sorry. on to the next one, which is Monica, who is a Patreon uh, subscriber. We love her. She writes us a lot of messages. She wrote to us 
saying that we should have somebody asexual on to talk about asexual stuff. And I totally agree because uh, sort of in the way where I think like um, black and uh, non-white queer people are kind of the ones that drove a lot of the queerness conversation for the last four or five decades. Um, The reality is that asexual people have been driving the conversation as to how to have alternative forms of relationships between humans for at least like the last decade. Because asexual people, dude, they're so interesting. Uh, Big shout out. I want to just like underwrite Monica's message in a way where like if you are asexual and you know me or you know Jake and you want to come on the show and talk about it and the type of relationships you have I would love to have you on because asexual people they have been doing the work Jake they've been doing the work of like how if if you don't want to define your relationship relationships purely through who you fuck how else do you define your relationships, right? Yeah. So if you're if you're asexual and you actually are not interested in fucking people or getting fucked, that doesn't mean that you don't want love in your life and that you don't want connections in your life or that you don't want relationships in your life. So asexual people have kind of been burdened with the problem of like, how do you continue to connect with other humans and to have build relationships with them and to communicate your boundaries and what you're willing to give and not give and what you expect from a relationship and still find happiness, even though you don't define happiness through who fucks you and who you fuck, which is like crazy because most of us, even though we don't want to admit it, we live in this dichotomy or like this, framework where we're defining ourselves and others through who we fuck you know yeah and so asexual people are really like on this frontier way ahead of us i would say to you ahead of queer people ahead of gay people ahead of all the lgbtq all the other ones asexuals are ahead of us because it's almost like they've transcended the idea of how we physically interact with each other and they're fully focused on how we emotionally and intellectually interact with each other. And therefore, I think they have a lot that is worth listening to. And I would love to have more asexual friends come forward and publicly talk to us about how they think relationships should be formed and how we should be communicating in our dating processes and all that shit. I agree. I mean, asexuality is something I did not understand when I first came to hear it because I thought like, I think a lot of people think that it means like you don't have sex. And the first time someone is like, no, I have sex. I was like, well, then you're not like, you know, I mean, like I didn't understand that it meant like taking an active like role in understanding why you sometimes do and don't, which is like a thing that most people don't even fucking think about. Um, and I think it's awesome. Um, there's so many people that don't even think about why they did have sex with somebody. Sometimes you do it like you, you just don't do it. Dude, Jake, <laughs> women, women are socialized to like just get through it. Like, yeah. lie back if you don't end. like it, yeah, lie back and take it. Like it'll get better lie as back you and know think this of person better. Yeah. It uh the more you do it with him, then like you'll get more comfortable and maybe you'll come like literally this is how we're socialized yeah so 
to take that dynamic out of it and be like, our relationship shouldn't be based on who is coming and who is not or who's fucking who or anything, but just like these other measures of relationships that I think asexuals prioritize over who is coming and who is not coming are really useful to those of us who are sexual people because it will help us have better, like better selection of mates, better experiences, better interactions because they're so clear on the fact that they're willing to love people and willing to be supportive and financial partners and child rearing partners, all these other things, but they're just not interested in the sexual aspect of it. And so many times trad people there, we are all trying to go around being, being like, Uh, there's only one way to sexually and romantically interact with someone. And we all want to have children and fucking do the thing of being parents, but we will also be sexual partners. And there's no kind of understanding of like how that doesn't work for everyone. And asexuality, I think really is the framework. It's the future framework for us. Like the gay framework really helped us for the last few decades yeah. But the asexual framework is the one that will push us to the next plat, like the next plateau of where humanity goes to, where our interactions are not based on reproduction, not based on cis sexual satisfaction, and not based on a trans sexual desire to be affirmed in your new identity but purely based on we like each other as people and we share the same goals and we want to work towards these goals together. And it has nothing to do with sex. Jake, that's foreign to us. We don't like asexual people, I think are the future. It seems like the first obstacle to somebody who's asexual is dealing with people who feel like with us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're dealing with like a situation where like, if you do not have the regular sex drive that people yeah. expect of like every Saturday night or whatever, yeah. it's considered rejection. And you're a lot of people live like live with that and then just go, well, I'll just do it anyway. And then like asexual people came along and were like, I'm going to actually like address this and like yeah. my own needs here and stuff. And yeah. it could be completely you know, not a rhythmic, uh, regular thing of every week. Maybe I fuck 30 times in March. And, and I could change my mind next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, that's so it's crazy to say out loud because it goes against so many social mores, but like there yeah. are people like that and there are feelings like that within so many people that like don't aren't allowed by extreme taboo to knock it out. Can I go back to something real quick? I just remember. Yeah, too. for sure. Does this does While also right? encouraging any asexual friends who want to come on the show to email us. But go on. Please what do you do. want to go back to? What are you going back to? Okay, so this thing we were talking about with this like straight cross-dressing. Um, yeah, yeah. Maddie. Maddie metamorphosis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is something I've been kind of fascinated with and stuck on that I wanted to kind of kick around because I think it relates to all this stuff we're talking about with the concepts of queerness and stuff like that. And with me talking about this like gatekeeping thing where the line keeps moving or where it gets gatekept, I get called the homophobic F slur a lot. 
by, by guys, by guys, by men. Okay. Who, and this is the important part. It would be easy for me to go, well, then they're like homophobic or whatever. But the thing is, I think that they're calling me this specifically because I'm not gay, because they would not actually by today's social parameters get away. They wouldn't use that slur against actual homosexuals. It would actually like yeah. pride themselves on going, I'm not immature enough to like yeah, do yeah. that. But now the same fucking like weapon is like, so, as long as it, I can find a justifiable target for it, then uh, have it. But so Patrice had a joke point. about this. I want to say Patrice O'Neill had a joke about this where he would say like, I'm really bad at quoting jokes, but he would say something about like, uh, you know, it's not that everybody's racist. It's that sometimes you're like really good at knowing what to say to hurt somebody. Right. Right. So he was like, so like when you're in traffic and like an Asian lady lady cuts you off and you get really mad, you get road rage, you yell at her about how Asian people don't know how to drive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that you're racist against Asian people. It's that you know that this is a trope that hurts their feelings because it exists in the world. You get me? And I say this as somebody who like I'm Colombian. And so like literally every time in my life that I've ever said to somebody I'm Colombian, they'll be like, oh, cocaine, huh? You're a drug dealer. It's very unfortunate that with me, they happen to get it right. (laughs) But then I'm like. It's very rude of you to assume that all Colombians are drug dealers because just because you got it right with me, like, not fair. So there is this thing of like recognizing what the reality is for everyone else versus what it is for you as an insider who knows what it really is. Don't you think there's a circular logic to this where like before every guy walking around in modern society understood yeah. what a gay man was. He considered the gay man to also be a man and therefore <laughs> wanted to attack him by being like, you're not being a good enough man. Right. Yes, that's, totally. The term itself comes not from, it comes from just de- it's a dehumanizing thing. I mean, it literally yeah. the bundle of sticks. I'm going to fucking set on fire. And that came from going, we're men and there's a like a way we're supposed to act and if people don't act that way then we're gonna fucking threaten them with death and the thing the very thing that made people get over that was going oh you're not the same as me (laughs) like you're this other thing so isn't this a constant process where that'll then just continue to happen i think so yes but apparently not everyone maybe it is we're stuck at a point (laughs) in time right now where like I don't know. I just always have these fucking fantasies where I'm like, man, I'm going to die. My ghost is going to come back to this planet in like a hundred years and all of these problems are going to be solved. I'm going to be so fucking mad, you know? I love that you think you'll have a ghost. I'm like, oh, I don't even, I think I just go into an abyss of nothing. But anyway, next email. (laughs) Who needs to talk about an afterlife? We got an email from Nate. (laughs) Nate uh s what is it called queerness perspectives you ready for this it's a long one hold on is it a long one it is i have to pee pee? okay go pee all right we're back okay we're back we're gonna do this email by nate and maybe one more because i think there was one more good one okay nate nate wrote us a long one let's do it all night let's do it 
Uh, I think we're doing great, despite all our multiple drug and we're doing great. I'm just worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) I will make my flight. (laughs) I will absolutely get up at 4 a.m. I will be on a beach by this time tomorrow. Fuck all of you. Uh, Also, I'm basically celebrating. Yeah, I'm celebrating not having COVID. I can't believe it. Everybody I know has gotten COVID, except for like me and you, (laughs) and like a few people. We're killing it. So I'm going to go to another country island and celebrate that I don't have COVID and maybe get COVID. It'll be fun. Anyways, <laughs> we've got an email from Nate called uh, Queerness Perspectives. Hey, guys, love the show and love listening to your unique and insightful perspectives on all of the different topics you cover. I've lived in scary rural America my whole life. Ooh, this is probably in response to when I was like, the whole thing freaks me out. Yeah. Uh, but Nate says, I lived in America in rural America my whole life, Idaho and now Georgia, but I love hearing about NYC and all of your adventures. And I honestly relate a lot more to that type of perspective and ideology than I do to most people that I lived around. I thought your discussion on queerness and what it means to different people was super interesting. And I could definitely relate. I'm gay and have a and have been out to my conservative Mormon family since I was 18. I'm now 29. I definitely had a rough time accepting myself during my teenage years and being brainwashed to believe that something that I felt and had no control over was inherently evil and that I could be cursed to either live my whole life as someone that I'm not or accept who I am and be cursed to spend eternity in hell. It definitely had a huge toll on my young psyche to the point where, let's just say I'm glad I'm still here. Anyway, I've definitely been I've definitely been in situations growing up where my peer group was making fun of gay or queer people and being forced to go along with it. And I know all too well that deeply sickening, alienating feeling that you were talking about. However, since I've been out, I've been hesitant to use the queer label to describe myself because I'm not effeminate, so to speak. I've been accused of not fitting the label because I'm straight passing. I agree that it should be used as a more broad umbrella term like what Bell Hooks was describing. Even within LGBTQ plus culture, there's so many different subcultures. I most closely relate to gay bear culture, even though I'm more of a chaser than a bear. I think having a term like queer that we can all unite under is very important. There There are already enough terms to describe more specific genres of gayness, weirdness, atypicalness. Great show. Love listening to you guys. One last, one last thing that might be fun to hear you guys tackle in the future is age gaps. I'm 29 and my partner is 62. Whoa. We've been together. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, pause. <laughs> We've been together since I was 23 and he was 56. How many years is that? 56, 62. So we've been together like eight years. That's pretty good. We have a healthy relationship. My mom considers him her son as well even though he's older than her oh i never bring it up online though because the go-to reaction is to accuse him of grooming me we met on scruff which is like grinder and we talked for over a year and hung out platonically several times before we ever even hooked up i have always been attracted to older men since as long as i can remember and i was coming on to him a lot more than he was coming on to me Yes, there have been challenges because we are at different stages in life, but we have made it work and built a life together. He retired, he retired early 
and has been retired for as long as I've known him, which is nice because he is able to do most of the stuff around the house while I work 40 plus hours a week. He owns the house, so I don't have to pay rent, but I work and pay every other bill that we have, including our groceries. And I pay the bill whenever we go out to eat. Some people accuse me of having a sugar daddy, but trust me, there's not a lot of sugar being spread around, which is fine because that's not what this relationship is about. Anywho, keep up the great work, guys, and I look forward to listening to you guys every week. Nate. So where to start, Jake? Where do you want to start? Um, I like Nate's point of view of like agreeing with us that the queer umbrella should be bigger than who you fuck. Yeah. But then he throws us this curveball about the age gap. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I also like the part where Nate agreed with us. Uh, surprisingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I love it when he agreed with us. But then he <laughs> threw this crazy stuff. <laughs> in there. Yeah, I don't know. I think the only place to start is with the age gap thing. And um, this is like fucking radioactive territory to get into because there's so many taboos around it and people yeah. will accuse you of all these things about it and stuff and the safe go-to thing is uh oh, no, no, no. you know but like honestly my take on this is that it's dangerous to fucking put this out there because then people will accuse you of like why do you feel this way about this are you doing an age gap thing or whatever yeah. like honestly i think and i know that this is the just go-to hallmark of our podcast at this point but like <laughs> the stigma around age gap stuff is kind of trad it kind of stupid like, goes, yes you know, it's based on reproduction ages and when you could produce babies right that's what leads to like it's fine for 40 year old or like 50 year old dude to be dating a 20 year but it's not okay for a woman in her 40s to be dating a 25 year old man right and so yeah. the the thing where it's like oh is this person preying on this other person it comes from examples where that is true and possible. And that yeah. usually is an older guy who's like deliberately doing this with younger women for like a specific reason. But I find that when this becomes a controversy and it becomes like the thing that everyone talks about on Twitter for a day or whatever, I usually only see people that see the world through heteronormative lenses agreeing that this is like a fucking finite through and through simple issue and i it always yeah. makes me think about gay friends of mine like i had a gay friend in high school who dated adults and i thought, i have that's mainly the gay experience i would say to you that's the thing yeah. when, it, when he first started Dating doing older it people yeah i was like what the huh is this well, okay? but Jake, because I would propose to you that there's a simultaneous thing happening, which is there's um a bunch of people who are adults who try to to follow the tread the traditional path laid before them of what they were supposed to be for a bunch of years, and then they get into their late thirties, their forties, their early fifties. And they realize they're not happy with this. So they suddenly start trying to like experiment and find a new form of connecting. Meanwhile, we also have some young people who went the opposite way, which is 
from a very young age, we realized we don't want to follow the traditional path. We want to find something that is different. And then we end up sort of connecting with those older people who figured out that late later in life that they right. should be finding a new path. So there is a inequality in terms of age and and position in life, but not in terms of experience. Because like, if you think of it like in the euphoria high school kind of way, there are these situations in which a young person is much more experienced and well-versed in the queer world, hooking up with an older person who is experimenting for the first time in their life right. with and being that- queer after having a whole family and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yes, there's a power imbalance in the fact that this person is older than you and like maybe financially better off than you, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also a power imbalance in the sense that you as a 20-something is more comfortable being queer and out and publicly yourself in a way that this older person you're hooking up with is still very much hiding who they are. You know the term egg? That's a power imbalance. Yeah. If you are willing to own who you are and the person you're hooking up with is extremely ashamed and this is something you could blackmail them with, that is a power imbalance. The younger person has the power. You can take a picture of this. You can be the one being like, I can hold this whole relationship up against you. Do you know the term egg? The thing that trans people call somebody who's like, they're like, oh, that person's like trans, but they haven't come out yet i think is what's going on i've never heard that okay funny but it's like yeah it makes you realize that like okay the heteronormative people like specifically see things in this way of like we are all the person that we were born therefore we're all in the same timeline that is disrupted by this idea that you can actually become the person you are at age 60 or something like that and then you really are that's your first year of being that person (laughs) and dude look at eddie is hard Right. She's like fucking 57 or some shit. Yeah. And she just came out being like, yeah, I'm a she, her, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, she literally did stand up specials in full cross dressing. Like, she, like through the thing of yeah. I'm a cross dresser to then I'm trans, which is like to, to go back to this yeah. straight male cross dresser. Like, yeah. maybe that's what's going on with that person. You don't fucking yeah. know, you know, and like, yeah. Maybe it's not, but like maybe it's d- identical to the experience, you know. Well, you really but know. they're both valid experiences. Right. Is the point. Um, but like, so I guess to me, there's two things going on, right? One thing is when you have young person seeking out these older folks in like the queer world, it's like you know, the young person, like you're saying, is getting something out of that experience. And the older person is too. And so like, there's like this thing of like queer elders that people talk about yeah. a lot. Like, totally. you know, on the one hand, the older person, their experience is that they had to live through Stonewall and shit and yeah. like, <laughs> get to have their youth. So that's But they also never had the experience of being fully free. Like uh, the younger people. Right. Have. 
So in a yeah. way, they're like way they're lagging yeah. behind the fucking younger person. Yeah. Then the younger person, but also doesn't have the experience. But the younger have. person only has the experience they have because of what the older person went through. So there's a symbiotic thing going yeah. on, right? Yeah. So that's like I think a big part of it. And I'm talking about yeah. this outside. I don't know. I'm you know. I, yeah, I know. I know. I'm very hesitant to ever speak for queerness, but yeah. Here's something I can kind of relate to. I think is like. So another thing that's going on here is that when people look at age gap relationships and they're like, you know, why didn't this person just date like, you know, a person that didn't matches up with them that's normal or whatever, they go, there must be like an agenda coming from like this guy who's the predator or whatever, who's like specifically seeking out young women, which is the thing that does happen. But yeah. the thing is, I think what they're like and like what what you're not seeing if you're not familiar with like queerness and like gay people and all this other stuff is that so trad people conceive of every single person they meet of the opposite sex to be like a potential partner and so life for them is just sort of this thing where because there's this abundance of potential partners yeah you just go about your life and you live this beautiful fucking casual life and you eventually meet one that syncs up and then it's like kismet or whatever and then fucking good for you it's fucking fine but like for a lot of other people who are built differently and oh. like have tried <laughs> yeah. that and it doesn't work out. And to use yeah. a really vanilla example, let's say you're somebody who's decided that they don't want to have babies, right? Well, it's not going to work for you if you spend your entire life just meeting guys like in a movie where you are on the subway or whatever, and then you date for a few weeks and then you're like, do you like this? So you, you come up with this other way of doing things, which is I'm going to put out what I want in the world first. Right. Well then instead of meeting people passively, the way straight people do, you meet people actively. And when you have a specific thing, like, Oh, I don't want to fucking have kids or I oh, yeah. really have a specific part of my sexuality that is a certain way. And I think it goes yeah. fucking exponentially more for queer people when they're like, I need to date a fucking trans man or whatever. Yeah. You were seeking that out first. And something like age is the secondary concern. Secondary, totally. And so often you meet somebody who is not exactly the same fucking age as you. And that gets looked at and then scrutinized by straight people who have no idea that whole fucking process as like, oh, you're, you know, doing this thing or whatever. But it's like, those yeah. people are the only two people in this fucking town that are like mad. No, no, and I think you're right. And I think that we also should pay attention to the fact that like um we will transition through those states. Like we will go from being the young person that brought this older person a wider view of what was possible to being the older person who brings other young people to being confident in who they are and what the possibilities are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just all boils down to like, we're all human and we're all imperfect and it's worth subscribing to or underwriting whichever kind of version of humanity you want to be. But understand that we're all limited by the way that we can interact with each other. I don't know. Did I lose everybody? <laughs> Tell me. What do you think? I mean, I just think that the ten it almost comes back to the West Elm Caleb shit where it's like the mm. ten the thing that you are really concerned about calling out here 
could be happening and if it is yeah go ahead and you know judge it in that way but like and and you know get the fucking town together to like For solve sure, this problem yeah. but like I just think an easy way to go about this is to look at people and go, do you think this person is dating them because of their age or in spite of their age? In spite of their age, yeah. And like, if it's because that's a, yeah, that's a thing. And Well, I'm glad that we did a pedophile defense uh, episode. <laughs> that's uh, not pedophile. You know, write us an email at whyyoumadpod at gmail.com. Tell us why we were wrong. Uh we love to hear feedback, even constructive negative feedback. <laughs> I am going to go to bed. Uh, I have nothing to plug. Jake, what are you going to plug? Okay, oh well, God, I- the show in February. <laughs> I mean, those are bonus episodes. Well, first of all, no, not a no, pedophile. We're, we're, we're putting it out in public. Oh, oh yeah, we are. All right, listen. So you're going to do all the plugs for real. Drunk, I'm going to whip it. Not a pedophile defense podcast. That was not <laughs> where that was going. <laughs> uh it's more nuanced than that and also not me i'm not doing the thing i'm just talking about it from a third person point of view we're just arguing the points we're being uh what is it a pedophile's lawyer uh devil's advocate devil's advocate pedophile's same lawyer thing. okay yeah same thing. <sighs> okay so <laughs> <laughs> now i feel weird now no, it's fine write us an email if you disagree with anything that we said but how could you we only had good opinions i feel like this this segment oh man good. people are crazy about good. that shit <laughs> they're gonna call us vosh they're gonna cancel us and maybe that'll make us famous um whatever and then we can buy a, ba- a mansion in la and then argue about whether or not we're communists <laughs> even though we <laughs> own a mansion that we share that's my plan jake i want to own a mansion with you and then just fight with you every day about whether or not we're communists or not Oh, I'm so mad at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. What else do we have to do for the rest of our lives? Nothing. I thought of something that I came up with on the last episode and it got <laughs> lost, but I need to tell you because I think it's funny. Enjoy. Okay. Here's a mnemonic device for remembering how to say Laura Jane Grace. Oh, help me. I need this. Okay. It's halfway between Louis J. Gomez and Billy Wayne Davis. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> it's the letters of Louis J. Gomez and then the sounds of Billy Wayne Davis. <laughs> oh, it's the letters. You're right. Laura. Yeah. Oh, that LGJ. does help me. Yes. Or LJG. You're right. I got it. Laura J. Sc- no. Laura Jean Grace. Right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Because it sounds like Louis J. Gomez. No, wait. It has Louis J. Gomez words, but it sounds like Billy Wayne Davis. I got it. Laura Jane Grace. There you go. We got it. Boom. Write us an email. Good. Okay. So show coming to my live show in New York. This uh, December, February 15th, February 15th of the gutter. Um, I'll put the ad up in my pin tweet. And then I have a, uh, an online show on rushticks.com on February 24th that you can get tickets to and I'll write material for it as a zoom show. It'll be really cool. Okay, that's it. I love it. I'll see you on both. Come hang out with us. Hell yeah. Good night. Good night.